0: Ain't easy, but it's necessary. I be getting weary, cause shit be getting scary. But sit back, relax, and don't you dare worry. Cause I be hitting wrongs with a righteous fury. Yes, sir, see, I am the only my name is Josh Dunn, gonna have some fun Telling the truth y'all can't handle I might raise a scandal as I dismantle The fake, make them quake and make them shake i make you bad, but never will I make you break Just chill, yo, and don't be frightened Open that close mind, it's time to get light, light Folks, welcome to Gimpin' Ain't Easy Cause it ain't, Episode five. Holy cow, our baby is off to kindergarten. He did a lot of crying before letting him go, but I think this is gonna be a good show. Nonetheless, this episode wiped its tears away, and hopefully you have too. Our sponsors this week are once again, and as always, Cafe Sempoil, where this week's feature book is the Poems of Mao Zedong. Who knew such a murderous dictator could have such a sensitive soul? This is so good, I actually bought it myself, so go to Sempwell for a coffee, then come back to my place, jump in my bed, and I'll read you the words of the chairman, bedside from my antique chair. If you feel particularly inspired, maybe I'll hop in with you and we'll start our own cultural revolution. We're also brought to you again by Charlie's Club, where most shots are 275 on Tuesdays, and the door window is now plexiglass, so it will never be broken again. We're also brought to you this week by Scotch General Purpose Masking Tape, which my limited dexterity cannot use, so come on over and help me turn my two monocles into a pair of glasses once again. This week, uh, it actually got cut out from last week. So this week, I'd like to talk to you about something that's been going on. Uh, Third-party apps now have access to your Gmail messages. And it means that people, not just bots, could be reading your messages. not real up on the whole app thing, because I'm probably the only cat over 12 and under 90 in a first-world country who doesn't have a cell phone. But that's not cool, Google. I mean, look. Read my Gmail if you want. That's gimpinaneasy with a Z in the easy luck, like easy E at gmail.com, because maybe you could suggest some cool guests or things for me to talk about. But I think it's a major violation. You know, Google tries to cover this by saying it's in all user agreements, but who really reads those things through anyway? And sometimes the verbiage is kind of confusing. My buddy Richard and I were discussing this last week, and he seemed to think, meh, no big deal. So what if someone's reading my emails to my uncle? Well, I guess him and his uncle don't really share any deep secrets, do they? And when I asked, well, what about people stealing money from your accounts? He was, of course, against that. But he seemed to think monitoring of emails could be helpful in some ways. You know, for those cats who shoot up schools or supermarkets, often they show show signs of breaking down before the tragedy takes place. I suppose, hypothetically, a tragedy could be prevented if someone's social media was meticulously scrutinized. But, are they always going to give signs? And if they do, does that mean they're going to try to do something for sure? And, if so, are you definitely going to be able to thwart an attack? Is it really worth it to sacrifice all our privacy? What if I like to wear nothing but wool socks while being smothered by a loaf of bread? Don't I have the right to keep that between myself and the maybe two other people on the planet who have that particular proclivity? What if I have a tail and there's only one person I talk to in my Gmail for support? Does anyone else really have the right to know that? What if some totalitarian regime takes power and they can access your data that someone has stored and they name all left-handed people enemies of the state and execute them, you know? Remember when Edward Snowden told the world the American government has the capacity to spy on everybody and now he has to live out his life in exile because of it? Man, what a sacrifice. To me, he did a wonderful thing. And now he has to suffer? Something's pretty wrong there, you know? Government should serve the people, not the other way around. An individual's privacy really ought to be protected. For the record, Yes, I do want our governments to monitor ISIS and groups like them because they do pose a real threat to the safety of innocent people. But if you're not threatening violence against others, what purpose does monitoring your social media serve? If the privacy of any individual is compromised for any other reason, whether because they hold an anti-government opinion, or, like I said, maybe they're just left-handed, aren't all of us at risk? Without privacy, we are not free well folks we're here we have another episode this time it's episode five like i said the baby is getting ready for school and i'm not ready to see him go just yet he's getting old but i'm here with the chairperson of halifax fringe and she also manages sale Abel it's april hubbard folks how you doing today april
1: i'm doing well and you josh
0: i'm ah, pretty good i could have slept a little bit. how's your sleeping going
1: Ah, uh, not very well but that's the norm for me
0: H- yeah i had i'd had been doing good but the the past two nights were kind of rough so we'll both be kind of rabid for this i suppose
1: tends to go in cycles so
0: there are three of you
1: <laughs> mm, i hope I- that's a good thing
0: <laughs> well, three is better than none because then I wouldn't have an interview at all. So, uh, you know, that's
1: true. Although you could just pretend to be me.
0: And see, my name—no, that doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> oh, oh. I can't. You probably do know
1: it. my stories better than I do. So.
0: Right. Well, I mean, like, I—I I could do a—I could do like a typical like squeaky, but that's not your voice. You know what I mean? So it just wouldn't—I—I—I I, I couldn't fake you.
1: But how many people would know, really?
0: Right, but like it would have to sound different enough to be not sounding like me doing an impression. You know what I mean? Like it would be, oh, that's Josh doing a weird... No real human being talks like that. (laughs) Who knows? I'm I'm flying off the script, folks. I ain't even paying attention to my questions. Let's, Let's get into this before this gets too weird and existential. Sleep deprivation equals funny for us, but weird for everybody else. Um, yeah, before we talk about what because I am going to go into more detail on the things that, that you're uh, up to now. Um, I, I know a little bit about you, so you, you can correct me as I'm going through this here. But I understand um, you are from a small town, right?
1: Yeah, I grew up uh, in Yarmouth County, about a half hour outside of the town itself in a very, very tiny community called Lower Eelbrook. That probably nobody's ever heard of. Not me. Yeah. Um, there were probably about 25 people in the community when I left. So very tiny.
0: <laughs> Tw- were they all related?
1: <laughs> uh, that's probably four or five families. So
0: Okay. And, and, so some small families. Yeah. Were there like feuds amongst the 25?
1: No, not really. Everybody got along pretty well in that community. There's more... Feuds between the other small communities. Oh, like the yeah. communities
0: themselves are feuding exactly. with each other. Yeah, yeah. 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 I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no. that's that's good though, because at least the twenty-five people in proximity, you didn't uh, break out open warfare or something. True.
1: If you can't get along with twenty-four other people, then I think there's an issue. So well,
0: I can't get along with two other people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. But yeah, most normal, well-adjusted people. I think you're you're probably right. Um, and also, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you, your background was quite religious. Was it Catholic?
1: Uh, no, it was Baptist. Baptist.
0: Okay. Yep. And so how, like, how would you say that sort of informed your childhood? And also how did that shape the person that April is today?
1: Uh, well, I was, I grew up from a very early age, knowing that I had to follow all the rules and that, uh, you just had to accept without questioning whatever was told to you. So, uh, It took me a long time into well into my 20s before I really started asking why I was the way I was and why I believed the things I did and really started questioning and pushing back and really trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted um, because I had never been taught to do that and figure out what I wanted for myself. So uh, there was a lot, there were a lot of rules, there was a lot of structure. Um, and a lot of rules for rules sake so once I started to kind of decide what I wanted um, I was really starting at square one with very simple things what kind of clothes did I want to wear what kind of music did I want to listen to because we weren't allowed to listen to music we weren't allowed to choose what kind of clothing we wore so even the very basics I had to start figuring out for myself
0: what was their music that you were allowed to listen to? Was your parent approved?
1: Uh there were hymns. Okay. Um, but that was really about it that we were allowed to listen to growing up.
0: Do you think maybe that like so so you came you 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 basically accepted it till the early twenties part right?
1: Um, I officially left the church when I was sixteen. Okay um but even after i left the church i still held on to the beliefs a lot especially a lot of the rules that had been given to me and mm-hmm. i d- didn't really start questioning those until my mid-20s
0: do you think maybe that was probably better just for the sake of getting along because if you like say if you'd had bring up the like like i would have been because just because i'm difficult i would have been posing these problems at age seven you know but like say, say if you had it like 12 13 like what would that have meant for your childhood
1: I think my life would have been a lot more difficult if I had started pushing back earlier and questioning my beliefs earlier Um, just because everybody I knew everybody around me had these same beliefs and there was nobody to go to on the outside to ask why are we doing this is this okay is this normal so to me it just was normal and I didn't really think to question it even but uh there were other members of the church that did start pushing back more, and oh. I saw that their lives were a lot more difficult than mine.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to, you know, in a, in a community of 25, you all think one way. You kind of don't want to be the uh, the one voice of dissent there, I don't imagine. It'd just be awkward, right?
1: It's quite difficult, for sure, especially when it's a young person trying to fight back, I think. Right. Um, you kids they... don't
0: know what you're talking exactly. about. We've lived this for 70 years. Can't be wrong.
1: True. And there's Even also it probably is. uh a lot more pushback to kind of squelch that early, I think, before it gets out of hand when it's a young person.
0: Right. Yeah, crush your spirit while you still have one. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah, I know I uh and hey, for people people that still live in that community, and believe that stuff. You're happy, man. Scooby Doo. It's all good, you know. But I just uh, thought I'd get that out there. So well, that
1: particular church is now closed, luckily. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, the, no, nobody. Like, wow, that's that's Are you responsible for that?
1: Uh, I don't think so, but. <laughs> I may have started a little bit of dissent in there, but no, it definitely wasn't me that was responsible what, for it.
0: What not April Hubbard, folks. She was yeah. on her own once she was putting the questions down serious. But um, <laughs> so um, and again, this is one of the things because I, I know you. So I think I got this, but you can correct me. Um, you were diagnosed with your disability at age 16. Is that right? Uh
1: Well, it depends which disability you're talking about.
0: Uh, Um, I think I'm (laughs) referring to the tethered spinal cords. that. Yes,
1: the tethered spinal cord. I was diagnosed at, uh, well, 17 technically, but started having uh, symptoms at 16. Um, Yeah, and it took about a year for them to find the tumors and figure out why I was having those symptoms and then diagnose them. And another year after that, before they could tell me that they were not cancerous tumors.
0: Oh okay, yeah. So, and then what was your, like, so, so that must have been a, a load off, but then, so what, how would you say at that, at that, you know, teenage age when you first found both, both you and your family, like what, what were, what were the reactions to this?
1: We had very different reactions. I think it was scarier for my parents to hear that I had a tethered spinal cord and tumors, um, than it was for me because they could kind of look ahead a little more and see what that might mean for my life. Whereas for me, I was only looking at, okay, I'm 16, I have to get through this and get on with my life and and figure out what this is going to mean for the next year or two and then keep living my life normally. Um, but they could see a little more down the road and see what that would actually mean. And I think they had more fear attached to it right away. Whereas for me, it wasn't until a few years later that the full reality really hit me of what that would mean for my life and and how it would change things.
0: Right, and and your, your scenario um, in that way is degenerative, is that correct?
1: It is degenerative, yeah. Um, I have two tumors at the base of my spine that are slowly growing and they're killing off the nerves that are at the base of my spine. Um, and in doing so, For a normal person in your body, all the nerves at the base of your spine are free floating, but mine are trapped inside the tumors and slowly being killed off. So one day I might have totally normal leg function and I can walk as if anybody else could and there's no real outward signs. And then the next day I can't move my legs at all. And one day there's a lot of pain and the next day... I can function fairly normally pain-wise, and and don't really have to stop my day at all for pain. So it changes a lot from one day to the next.
0: Right. I don't have um, near that discrepancy in my symptoms. Mine are mine are pretty stable and steady. So so that it's like a totally different thing for me. But but um, I, before I move on, I also wanted to mention because you said that w- what what are your other disabilities besides?
1: Uh, I was diagnosed with spina bifida at birth, uh, so I've always had some uh, nerve problems at the base of my spine. Uh, I always walked with a little bit of a limp, but it wasn't that noticeable and it didn't really slow me down that much. Um, And I have a paralyzed stomach as well, which is a symptom of some of the pain medication that I've been on over the years, so I have to be really careful um, to eat enough calories in a day. And I also have to be very careful just to balance that I'm getting all the nutrients I need um, because it takes a very long time for me to digest my food properly. Um, so I've lost a lot of weight over the years and I have to work really hard at keeping weight on. Um, I also have a strawberry birthmark, which uh, steals all the iron from my blood. So I have to be really careful to maintain enough iron as well.
0: Ooh, I never heard of that before. That that sounds sounds almost like a like a curse or something, a strawberry birthmark. (laughs) Like, a, you know, yeah, like, fuck. A lot of people
1: have strawberry birthmarks. They're actually really common. I never Um, heard of this. They tend to be uh, more severe at birth and in younger years. Uh, Mine covers about a third of my body. So it was stealing a lot of iron from me um, when I was little and the doctors weren't sure if I would make it. Um, Also, the blood Uh, Vessels are really close to the surface in that And can open up and you'll bleed uncontrollably So for the first Three, four years of my life uh, Somebody had to watch me when I was Asleep at all times because if I started To bleed I could bleed out very quickly
0: and um, there's there's no treatment for that, like that birth birthmark guy.
1: Uh there are some treatments, uh, mostly like UV treatments and light treatments. Although as I've gotten older, it's faded away a bit, and the blood vessels have moved a little further in from the surface, so it's not dangerous to the level that it was before. It's just kind of there now.
0: Right, that's good. And um, is it so? And what one thing I want to touch on too, because where you mentioned um. I have to find this is the case with a lot of medications and treatments uh, that they cause other problems. You, you mentioned the paralyzed stomach. And is that the one that um, doesn't allow you to have hot drinks? or is that uh, what, No, that's another that? symptom that's another from symptom.
1: one of the medications I'm on. Uh, I become heat sensitive, so I have to be really careful. If I drink tea, for example, I'll pass out immediately. Um, coffee I can do, although I have to be careful of the temperature as well. Uh, but I have to be careful around heat in general. So I, yeah, try to keep cool as much as I can. Um, showers are difficult because I pass out very easily. So I usually take cold showers and when I'm trying to cook anything, I have to be really careful not to pass out.
0: Just from like the steam or like.
1: Yeah, the, the heat from the water in general. Um, close
0: enough to your body. Yeah, it heats
1: my body up enough that I basically overdose on the medication that I'm on and the first the first symptom of that is me passing out.
0: I think that that's a shame of our our medical system and I mean, you know, I'm no expert on that stuff so maybe those folks are doing the best they can but it seems an awful shame that that, uh, the stuff that's supposed to help us and get better and all those sorts of things ends up causing more problems, you know?
1: Yeah, I think most doctors are very well-meaning in that. Um, There are some that are just kind of, I think, jaded by the system and have given up. But I think for the majority, they really do care and want to help. They just don't really know how. And this is the only option they've been given is these pharmaceuticals that they don't live with day to day. So they don't recognize the symptoms and what they actually do to a person's life.
0: Yeah, do you, do you think if the pharma, like if the pharmaceutical cats were like super altruistic, good, so they had just in mind keeping people healthy, do, do you think um, that perhaps some of those side effects and things like that could be mitigated or at least lessened?
1: I think they could definitely be lessened. Um, I think it depends a lot on the symptom and... and and on the individual situation as well. But I think that there could be things that could be done to, to decrease the amount of pain it causes to the individual who needs these to survive.
0: Right. We probably, you know, if, if the intentions were entirely good and not at all profit driven, you know, they problem it prob- it probably could not be perfect, but it could probably be somewhat better.
1: I think it's, partly the profit-driven part and partly just the people who use them are not the people who have created them so there's so much separation that the people prescribing them every day don't see the effects and don't really realize what it does they read a list of symptoms but don't realize what that actually does and how detrimental it is to somebody's life and how frequently those symptoms actually occur
0: Right. It's kind of like us in the third world in a way like we know that shit is really bad down there, but like we don't see it on a daily basis. And, you know, um, you know, maybe, you know, these World Vision commercials now and then that are played up to quite uh, astronomical proportions, I suppose. But, but because we don't deal with that in a daily basis, it's almost not real to us. So I imagine there's some of those similar things going on, too.
1: Yeah, they're not taking it to heart because they don't live with it day to day
0: and uh, i think you you touched on this a bit earlier but i wanted to ask so so initially like y- you were um less fearful of of the symptoms and then sort of had, had realized um more implications of things and experienced the degeneration and, and things of that nature and the side effects from the pills and ha- so has your attitude toward your own disabilities changed and ha- has your families changed as well in, in the last 17 or so years or whatever
1: mine's changed drastically and it's changed multiple times uh it's gone from not really uh taking seriously what was happening and thinking it was just something temporary and it would pass with time and i would overcome it basically which is how most of us see illness i think um to realizing that this was something more long-term and i was going to have to continue to deal with it and learn to live with it long-term. But as I started to deal with what that meant for me, I went into a period of time where I really uh, felt defeated by my disability and just didn't want to keep planning for life and trying new things and didn't think I'd ever really get to live any of the dreams I had for my life. Um, and that went on for quite a while before I started to realize that well, there are still some little pleasures I can do and, and really had to fight to find new ways of making myself happy and feeling accomplished and, um, not being connected so much to the old dreams and goals I had and dreams that society had taught me, I had to have, for example. You can't be a productive member of society if you don't have a job and give back in that way. Um, and I struggled with that for many years, not being able to work, feeling like I wasn't a worthwhile person or contributing member of society.
0: Right. I And I still struggle with that a bit in part. I I, I feel like I really believe in the things I'm doing like this, for instance, and all, all the other stuff, the theater show and um you know all all of that and stand up kind of that i still do <laughs> begrudgingly um but i guess um i wanted to t- like so when you were in that defeat period was that sort of rice after the toronto attempting doula no that,
1: that was way before way that before. even before i went to toronto um yeah, I I probably started around the age of nineteen when I started to realize that this was going to be a long term thing. I had had Sometimes my were bad, yeah. I had had my second surgery, and they were not able to remove the tumors again. And that was kind of the realization that this is my life now, and I have to make something of it. But all the avenues that I'm told are going to make me a worthwhile person are not there anymore. So I really had to figure out what was going to make me happy again. Um, And it took a long time of trying to figure that out. And I tried a lot of different things that didn't work along the way. Um, One of them being my trip to Toronto to study midwifery, which was my passion and still is a big passion of mine, but um, turned out to not be an option for me physically. I just, uh, my health wasn't going to allow for that.
0: Are you able in, in some small way to like give encouragement and love and support to pregnant friends
1: um i could i don't think that will be enough to make me feel like i'm accomplishing something right worthwhile in that venue in that vein right. uh not to say that it couldn't be for other people it's just not what's going to be make me happy
0: Right, I guess I was just trying to look for the silver lining of, okay, well, I can't quite be a doula, so, you know. And I
1: think a lot of people try to do that in our world, and I think part of that's kind of our own internalized ableism is, it's partially our own internalized ableism and partially just wanting to make a friend feel better, like you're doing now, is, well, look at the bright side, and look, there's this other option, not realizing that, we've lived in this body in this life for so long and we've considered all the options. And if that were an option for us, we would be doing it.
0: Cause yeah, like just face it to be real people. Um, the life of being disabled. And I, I mean, I, I can't speak for you, but I'll say for myself, it is absolutely fucking shit sometimes.
1: Oh, definitely. There are horrible moments that a lot of people don't see. And Even when you've built the best life for yourself and you're in a good place, there are still moments where even when everything's going well, you're mentally not in a good place or physically you can be in a horrible situation and still be putting on a happy face and going out there and and showing the world that everything's okay.
0: Yes, they call me the great pretender. (laughs) I was gonna sing it, but I didn't quite have the balls to do that just at this moment.
1: I call it my mask. I put on right. my mask when I have to to go out there and and pretend everything's good.
0: Right, and and do you find even too that that's somewhat help for yourself? You kind of fake to make, and you sort of like ignore just to simply get by.
1: Um, I don't think it's really good for myself uh, in a lot of cases it can actually be kind of detrimental for my own mental health hmm. but I think it's necessary to get by in our society
0: right I, I think that in, I I'd almost take the opposite uh, like uh, not uh, yeah totally necessary to get by in society not disagreeing with that at all but I think at times it is good for myself to uh, fake it because I'm then I'm not focusing on the negative at all and um, it can be a bit destabilizing but i sort of champion delusion over depression so i mean i don't know that that might not be the right answer for any anybody else but i i think like if i'm able to oh yeah i'm all i'm doing okay e- even if i'm really not you know uh you sort of some somehow uh psych yourself into it i think it is better for me personally but
1: well it's good that you found out what works for you and right. what's best for you
0: Totally, man. So, and you're talking about putting on a mask. So I think that was a nice segue way to, um, how, how'd you get into theater? How'd you get interested?
1: Um, I kind of fell into theater. Uh, my mother who's an accountant was working for an accounting firm in Yarmouth. And, uh, one of the bosses at the firm, uh, was into the local theater scene in Yarmouth. Uh, they were doing a play and needed a script prompter for the night. And she, Knew that my mother had three daughters, so she was like, oh, are any of them available? And I went and fell in love with it. And by the end of that show, I was stage managing that show. So, um, yeah, just never stopped after that. Kept looking for more theater.
0: So, so wait a minute now, you, you, you went, you went to that show as a spectator and you, you were stage managing from the... Uh,
1: as a script prompter. Oh, so, like
0: you're, with your mom and...
1: Uh, no, they were rehearsing. And so I had, they were about to go off book, it's called. So they were, the actors would no longer have their scripts on stage. So I'd sit in the audience with the script, follow along. And when they messed up or called line, I would tell them what their line was. And that was when I was 14.
0: Wow, that, yeah, did you ever, did you ever mess with them and give them the wrong line on purpose?
1: No. I was too much of a goody two-shoes to do that. Yeah,
0: that's right, you weren't, you weren't in your question society phase. Hadn't learned to rebel yet. That's right, that's right, yeah. Well, I'm sure they appreciated that.
1: (laughs) Might have been a different show had I done that.
0: Right, right. To be or to eat pizza? Exactly. That is not the question.
1: No.
0: Um, So I wanted, well, 14, and then I think it was around age 19 or so that you became involved uh, with the Fringe first. Maybe talk about that a little bit first, and then let's let's talk about uh, your rise to the top, the chairperson. And uh, I'm sort of curious, which totalitarian dictator do you feel that you most closely resemble?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I was 19 when I started with Fringe. I had moved up to the city from Yarmouth. Uh, I moved up uh, the 1st of August and Fringe was the end of August so somebody just told me oh this is coming up you should go see some shows. Um, Saw a couple that year and started volunteering with them selling tickets at the door and from then I was hooked and kept going back every year. Uh, I volunteered for quite a few years before there was a shift uh, in The board governance. The power structure. Exactly. Um, So the gentleman who had founded the Halifax Fringe Festival, he decided that he needed needed to take some time off, and uh, announced that there wasn't going to be a fringe that year.
0: Did he have like a nervous breakdown from the stress of the fringe?
1: No, he actually just had another project come up that he was going to work on. It wasn't that exciting.
0: I was trying to make it sensational for the show. Yeah.
1: No. No. But what happened next was pretty cool that uh, everybody in Halifax, basically, in the theater community came together and said, we can't let this go. We need a fringe. So we all just started doing what we could to throw things together. Uh, I wrote a grant that year and um, we made the festival happen again and... The next year, I joined the board, uh, so I've been on the board for seven years now, and uh, this past year, uh, one of their chairperson was stepping down, and they asked if I would take his place.
0: Right, so uh, your coup was more by necessity and, and almost democracy than any kind of ruthless uh, shoving other people out of power?
1: Yeah, it's not that exciting. It was, it oh, was pretty bad. pretty calm pretty calm transition
0: I, I was hoping for a mussolini comparison but uh, no
1: too many hugs for mussolini sorry
0: he was a hugger from what i understand was he okay i think he squeezed a bit too tight though
1: we may have a different history book
0: but yeah i uh we didn't go to the same school no yeah that's true I, yeah i watched some weird uh and hey maybe he was hugging in the disney cartoons you know may, maybe that wasn't the real deal <laughs> i don't know um yeah no that's cool so like you start out taking tickets you know then you're on the board when that was needed then you know the other chairperson wants so like yeah you've totally I think done things the right way there and it's great that you were um you know wanted
1: yeah it was more just a passion that I wanted to be there and wanted to do whatever I could and the more I saw needs that I could fill the more I could step up and um I do think it's pretty impressive though that the organization saw a woman who has a disability and who's in a wheelchair and who has chronic pain and all these other barriers that probably should have stopped them from thinking I'd be a good chairperson and they still felt that I could do the job. So I don't think there's enough organizations like that out there. That's
0: right. Can't all be about Rick Hansen and Terry Fox, right?
1: (laughs) Although they're very good people and very good organizations it's but not taking that not the them. only that's, way that's what I'm
0: saying it's not just them, you know what I mean it's everybody it's you <laughs> It's me too and uh um was I, I wanted to, I wanted to go oh yeah I, I I know what my next question is, but I had a follow up from this and I wanted to say like do you feel like sometimes that just like being involved? um with other people's theater and managing different like you're not because i i I know that you've had some plans for a show yourself for a long time do you feel that that's taken away or compromised your own creativity at all or
1: no i don't think it's compromised my own creativity um if anything it's brought me more creativity because the more i see other people's work and the more i'm inspired by how passionate they are about their projects the more i want to do mine um And I will when the time comes that's right. Uh, I think all the pieces will fall into place. It just hasn't happened that way for me just yet.
0: Right. I guess where, and I assume, you know, you as well, at times of very limited energy. I'm like, fuck, if I'm not doing the shit that I'm supposed to be doing, like, you know, and I mean, it's it's good to be help, help others and things like that. Um, But I just like... You know, if I was like had a gig taking tickets for yuck yucks, I probably wouldn't be doing shows. Not that they uh work me all that much anyway, so it doesn't really fucking matter at this point. Um I haven't I haven't done yucks in like a year. But I mean, you know what I mean though? Like
1: Yeah, it I can see how for some people it would be a distraction and mm-hmm. would keep them from their passion, but for me it more so keeps me close to what I love and keeps me involved in that way. Right. And I'll do anything. I mean, I'm happy changing the toilet paper rolls in the bathroom if it means a show can go on because I just want to feel that energy and be around that spirit and that joy. And that's my people. That's my family. And I feel like Fringe has really given me a family that I can relate to and that understands me and holds me up in the bad times as well.
0: Right. You feel really connected
1: yeah definitely
0: even if the toilet's overflowing
1: exactly wow that's... and there are those days <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah are you able to do the play I, I can't quite get it myself and luckily i haven't had an overflow incident in this place in the 10 years i've been here
1: it depends on the day yeah some oh, right, days i could feeling, some yeah, days strong i couldn't enough so. mobile <laughs> enough. yeah 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 we'll yeah. just hope it happens on the right day that's
0: right or or yeah or doesn't or somebody else is there, there or go. something yeah it's uh you got to look at the toilet bowl half empty, I guess, in this case, is the optimistic way to look at True it. True enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to sort of switch gears a little bit. And I, I guess I didn't really ask your uh, permission for anything. And if you don't want to talk about this, we'll edit this out. But was curious, um, and I, I know there's been a change recently, but let's let's start. First of all, um, what, and I kind of think I know the answer, but, what, but nobody else would. What, uh, what made you get interested in polyamory?
1: Uh, Well, because I've been disabled for all of my adult life, uh, I feel like I lost a lot of opportunities for love and connection along Mm -hmm. the way, Um, whether that was me stopping myself or whether it was other people looking at me and not giving me a chance because of my disability and my illness Um, and just having a lot of downtime with pain where I couldn't focus on a romantic relationship or a sexual relationship and that just had to wait out of necessity Um, so because I had put that off for so long I really felt like I had missed a lot of love in my life so the more I read about polyamory and the more I I learned about it I was really drawn to it because it meant I could welcome all the love that I wanted in my life and didn't have to limit myself in that way or miss any opportunities at connection Um, I could really just enjoy that and let it be what it was going to be
0: Yep, that's, that's kind of what I thought, and but because there had been um, such restriction earlier on, why not adopt i I'm not going to answer that phone. Why are you calling me, person, when this podcast is going on? It's all right, though.
1: I shut off my ringer, Josh. Yeah, well, this
0: is an old cordless phone that uh, sometimes has a mind of its own. That's all right, though. We'll ring through. I hope it's not the pizza I ordered. <laughs> I'm going to go hungry for the show, folks. Um the the idea that because love had been limited and chances been limited whether you know by your own lack of self-esteem or other people just not giving you a chance you know love is just such this wonderful thing that why should we place any limits on it at all
1: yeah that's how i saw it and and feel about it
0: cool and i do think your position has recently changed
1: Well, I'm still polyamorous. I still believe that that's the best way for me. Um, I've chosen now to live in a monogamous relationship for the time being um, because I met somebody that I really connect with and that I knew I didn't want to miss out on an opportunity to get to know better and to see where things went. Uh, For the first three months of that relationship, I was still poly. And the more conversations we had and the more discussions uh, that we had about how he felt, I knew that that wasn't something he was overly comfortable with. Uh, He still was very welcoming of me living my lifestyle that way. But I knew long term it would be something that would start to separate us and that would bother him more. So I didn't want to lose him and wanted to see where things would go. So for now, um, we've closed down the relationship and i'm monogamous and i don't know if that'll last a year or 10 years or whatever but it's something that i'm enjoying for now and making the most of this relationship that i have that's in front of me and that makes me feel fulfilled
0: he must be uh pretty special though to cause you to have a you know at least a, a, um, to, to compromise that stance because I, I don't i don't think you've done that for anybody before Uh, I I did did?
1: in one other relationship as well, but
0: it's pretty rare, right? But
1: it's yeah, it's been pretty rare over the last 10 years, 9, 10 years. Um, Yeah, this is the second time that it's happened. Uh, Yeah, I do think he's very special. And I also think what we have is very special. And I think that needs to be honored for what it is.
0: Right. And isn't it wonderful to have such connection that you're, you know, willing to be flexible in in your beliefs and stuff like that?
1: And I think that more people should do that, whether it's uh, looking at a potential partner in general and not thinking that they have to be uh, a certain orientation or a certain gender or a certain race or any of these things, Um, or just a lot of people know they have to be a certain height. Um, I think that there needs to be less expectations that we have on our relationships and just look at the person and see if that's somebody that you're attracted to and, and somebody that you want to give a chance to.
0: Yeah. Right. Why be, why be so rigid? Just see, let's get sort of beneath those labels, uncover their soul a little bit and perhaps see what's up.
1: And even just labeling a relationship. Um, things can start as a friendship and morph into something more or, there can be it doesn't have to be a set relationship it can just be i spend time with you and i enjoy that and we don't have to decide what it's going to be just give it a chance and see what happens
0: right yeah let's let's make the best of this scenario let's not try to define it let's mm-hmm. let it define itself exactly yeah uh, it brings to mind a, a song that I, it's a little, quote from a song thats not exactly it, but uh if you will suck my soul, I will lick your funky emotions. That's that's what I think. There you go. What could be better than that?
1: <laughs> Not much.
0: That's right, man. Because you're getting <laughs> down to the real popcorn kernel nitty gritty of the situation. And um, I want to ask, was it through saleable that you met Jay? Is that yes?
1: Yeah, we met through Sailable. Uh, so I've been participating with Sailable for. About 10 years. Oh, wow. On. I
0: thought that was a new thing for you.
1: No. Um, Shows what I, I know. I had been with them for about 10 years, although there were a few years in there that I wasn't medically cleared, so I had to take some time off from sailing. Uh, and he's been sailing for seven or eight years now with them.
0: Is that still, like, since his injury or?
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, not long after his injury. Right. But, yeah. Uh, and then at the barbecue last year which they have one big get together every year that all the participants and family come to uh I just started chatting with this guy and we had really good banter and back and forth uh and I wanted to know more so after that I sent him a message on Facebook and and hunted him down basically (laughs) and we went from there
0: damn girl you know what you want
1: I tend to be the one who uh, who goes after it. Yes, yeah. In relationships, I when I see somebody that I'm attracted to, I I don't want to let that opportunity go by. So,
0: yeah, I I actually kind of prefer that. You know, because like as a dude, like you just don't you don't want to. I don't know about other guys, or I can't. But you know, you just don't want to bother people or friends. like I still try, but it's yeah. it, it's got to be that kind of it's that line and like I don't know. You know, you just don't want to make people uncomfortable or creep them out, you know, so.
1: But there are also ways you can do it without creeping them out. Too. And 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 I
0: hope that I've been on that <laughs> side of things, you know, but you just never know, right? And I, I, I just, I try to read the vibes too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't know. I like, because I'm a pretty intense character, but like, you know, I don't want to overwhelm anybody, right?
1: Yeah. but I find the times that bother me the most are the ones that I've missed out on, though, that I'm thinking back as... On why didn't I get this person's number? Why didn't I right. I reach out and give it more of a chance? So,
0: yeah, I, I, I think I err enough on the side of risk to like cover all those bases, okay, you know, good. like at least since I've been 22, before, which <laughs> is like 13 years ago now almost, right? Maybe before that, I wasn't quite confident enough and whatever. And I mean, that waxes and wanes given the day for me, too. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah and and yeah so while we're still sort of close to sailing, before i get on to a couple other things here what like how exactly does that work what do you guys do
1: uh well it's an adaptive sailing program so uh, we have three martin 16 boats so 16 foot sailboats uh that are adapted in different ways for different disabilities so uh there are lifts to get uh, wheelchair users on and off the boat properly um there are When I sail, for example, uh, it's all by rope. So everything's uh, set up for me so that the ropes are all in front of me and I can adjust all the sails, turn left and right, based on pulling ropes in front of me. Um, But then somebody who has uh, less hand use, they can use a hydraulic pulley system. uh, Or also, uh, if they have very little use of their body at all, uh, we have a few members who sail by Sip and Puff technology.
0: Yeah, that's where I was gonna go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So that is two straws connected to the life jacket up by their mouth, and uh, they blow or suck in order to turn left or right on one of the straws, and blow or suck on the other straw to bring the sails in or out.
0: That is really cool, and I mean, yeah, like they don't, and um, uh, they don't ever put any uh, rum or anything in the Sip and Puff straws, do they?
1: I don't think that would be very good for the boat and probably not very good for the sailor either. But.
0: Yeah, that's good for me, maybe. Once you but, get
1: back on land. Oh
0: okay, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. I I, I know uh, drunk driving is discouraged, but I, <laughs> drunk sailing, I mean, you know, it's it probably... Don't listen to this, children. Don't don't uh, uh, go get drunk on your boat like my grandfather did. He used to do that all the time. It is the life of a sailor. On his so. motorboat, yeah. And I think he actually did throw himself overboard a couple of times, but those weren't by uh, choice. They were accidental. <laughs> um
1: and the Martins are completely unsinkable, I'm told. So. Oh, really? And I guess they've tested that, but I don't know how they've tested. Yeah, that, I mean, so.
0: I mean, the Titanic was supposed to be, but I mean, did, did, did the Martins run into uh, that big of an iceberg? Yes.
1: Uh no, I don't think there's too many icebergs in the Halifax Harbour, though.
0: Yeah, thank God the global warming has progressed enough for the bergs to get down here this far south, mm-hmm. right? Jeez, that could be scary. It, yeah, if it does go get hit by an iceberg, we're probably underwater already, the whole, all, whole city of Halifax at that point. Yeah,
1: pull. we probably won't be going out sailing in those conditions. So.
0: I will need sip, sip and puff technology <laughs> then. Um, and so I understand, though, that Sailable is, or at least that from your Facebook posts, I, I understand that um, it is at times underfunded?
1: Uh there is definitely an issue with underfunding. Um, we don't get much for grants, basically some summer students. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to find a lot of money here and there to keep going. And a lot of our equipment is very expensive because it's not very common and uh, also very technologically uh, advanced to be able to sail with two straws. Yes. So it takes a lot of moving parts and there's often things that are breaking down. Um, so it it takes a lot of work to figure out how we're going to keep that going.
0: Do you ever get some angry fella just chew right through the straws and rage?
1: I wouldn't give them those suggestions, Josh. They might be listening.
0: Well, I mean, they want to keep sailing, right? So, no, I'm huh. talking about when, when they're on the boats. And,
1: but know. if they chewed through the straws, they wouldn't be able to sail Right, anymore, right. So that wouldn't work very yeah,
0: well. Okay, no, nobody's been that... It hasn't it. happened yet. It so. hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it can't, but it probably won't. Um, let's so, hope it doesn't. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't. Jeez, what we do with a Rage Hall sailor. Um, and so for folks that um, might want to donate to this, what would be the best way for them to donate to Sailable?
1: Uh, you can check the Facebook page for SaleAble, which is SaleAble Nova Scotia. And um, we have our link there for a few different ways to donate. But the easiest way would be our uh, our GoFundMe campaign that's going on right okay. now, which is for a new sip and puff machine.
0: Right. That's the mm-hmm. stuff that I saw.
1: Yeah, that's the most recent one that we've been doing. Most recent fundraiser.
0: And um, yeah, before I get on to the next stuff, what is there any other... Um, groups that you spend much time with that you'd like to talk about and help out, at this point, like any other charities you volunteer for or anything like those that. Those are
1: the big ones That's that I've given. Yeah, that that takes quite a bit of my time. Yeah,
0: so. not not that I not that I was like expecting, you know, I was kind of <laughs> hoping there wasn't because I didn't necessarily want to talk about other people, but uh, but
1: no, there are other projects I I pick up here and there, but those are my regular ones that that keep me going day to day and that uh, focus most of my time and attention.
0: Right, excellent, and uh, yeah, no, I, I I'm certainly not involved in how uh, I'm just curious for myself because I think sometimes about we'll maybe wanting to try this, just the sailing aspect of mm-hmm. it. How long are you typically out in the water?
1: Uh, well, each of our sailing sessions is an hour and a half. Okay. Um, if somebody didn't feel that they could give that much time commitment, we could do a shorter sail. Okay. And uh, sometimes if we have people coming from long distances, we'll do back-to-back sales for them so that right. they get more out of it because some people travel from quite a long distance some members come from the valley or so long so or so on so it takes a long time to get here it takes a lot of planning so we try to maximize that for them
0: okay cool cool yeah
1: and I'm actually the social man media manager for Saleable. I'm not the manager. Okay. But you're giving me more credit than Stu. <laughs> well,
0: uh, hopefully the manager doesn't write in uh, angry. Well, that's my partner.
1: So. Oh, it's Jay. I, I okay, okay, so, so
0: if he, yeah, yeah, I don't want to cause a lovers' quarrel because giving ain't easy. We don't want to make it worse. Break off relationships Here on the air folks Game
1: battle There you go
0: There you go The battle (laughs) of the Gimps And we can say that folks We're (laughs) allowed But that's taking into The next thing I want to talk about Um, did, Did you listen to the interview I had with Paul? Spino?
1: Yeah, I did, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So, and I, I thought it was a really good interview o- overall, and, and yeah, nothing nothing bad about it, but he, at one point, and, you know, he'd wanted to talk a lot, so I, I certainly want, you know, he's my guest, so I give him the space, not necess- but but he he started sort of at one point saying, uh, you know, I'm not one to say you shouldn't say, but some people, you know, just my title, Gimp, right, to say that term, right? and but then his sort of response was well you know you've got to own that word that's your word like other people can't really say that and i guess i, I was curious of your opinion because my own my own stance on that is like somebody saying gimp or cripple or you know like they probably shouldn't but like man like it really doesn't matter you know because it, it's not it's not something that holds me down it doesn't oppress me you know it might might be mildly offensive but it's like I don't know, for me, like disability dignity is always, and I I say this like ad nauseum because I really think it has to be out there, if it it doesn't affect you having a relationship, if it doesn't affect you um, having friends, friendships, or, you know, doing business of some kind, then it's not really the main issue of focus that you need to worry about.
1: It's not your whole identity, for sure.
0: Yeah. Right Because like, so I, I know Like you I think one of the first times You gave me a drive somewhere You were like Oh we gotta check the gimp spots You were like Oh I better be careful If I say that And I almost knocked over The microphone here <laughs> But uh, you know So like How do you how do you feel about Like those terms or Other people using them Or stuff like that
1: For me personally If somebody else uses it It doesn't bother me so much it's more so their intent behind it right i've had people uh use the proper terms and offend me more yes exactly and i've had people use gimp or crip or whatever and it not offend me at all it's more um their intent behind it and also their level of education on the issues. For somebody who hasn't lived in the disability community at all, I'm not going to expect them to use the proper terms. I'm just going to want them to try to have a conversation with me and get to know me better. Um, If there's somebody who kind of should know better and is being very offensive and not trying to be correct, then I'll probably have a conversation with them about it and, and get to know why they feel the right to do that.
0: Right. And it's not. And and they might be like bang on in the terminology. Right. But they're fucking talking down to you. And they're like, oh, you you know, you uh, I put the brackets around the dis and, you know, you 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 differently abled folks. You're just you're so wonderful. Or like, you know, just foolishness. Right. Yeah.
1: And everybody also has a different perception of what the proper term should be. Right. Um, and they I, change too, exactly. right? Exactly. I was reading um, a few different manuals for disability organizations the other day, and I was shocked at some of them. It's like, I would never want somebody to use some of these terms with me. And then... Uh,
0: what, 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 give me an example or two of something like that you found ridiculous.
1: Well, some of them just seemed very antiquated and outdated. Um Yeah, I'm trying to think of an exact example, but... That's okay. Yeah, I I can't think of any specific examples of terms in that sense, but everybody just had a million different terms that you should use and terms that you shouldn't use, and some of them didn't make sense at all to me. Um, For example, differently abled was one in one of the manuals that they said you should never use, (laughs) and... I was really confused and also able-bodied and I use able-bodied all the time and my comment was how do I write a grant about a disability organization without using the term able-bodied right so
0: and then you say person living with disability I think and but that's so fucking long
1: I think it just has to be what your intention is behind it and if you're speaking to somebody with a disability and they tell you that you're offend- that they're offended by a certain term you've used then believe them and try not to use that term around them again right try your best basically yeah
0: yeah try to be and and yeah maybe just ask you know like Mm -hmm. how do you you know and like and i don't want to annoy you by asking but i'm just i'm trying to be cool and then like let's get on top of what pizza we want to have or some (laughs) shit so we can get over this foolishness
1: yeah to me just be respectful the same as you would with anybody else's identity in any other sense and just follow their lead on it for me personally i like the term gimp because to me it is a badge of honor it's If I'm doing disability well, then I'm a gimp. Um,
0: that's right, man.
1: Yeah, that's how I see it.
0: Cause, and I think it really hits the nugget of the discrimination, right? Like it's like, well, you know, how come you don't see any gimps in show business? And it's like, oh, wow, right? And when you say, oh, well, why, why does the media limit... Uh, opportunities for persons living with disabilities like what you know the 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 shorter sentences, the more powerful hits the reality situation but i think
1: yeah and it can become too academic and almost take away from my identity
0: completely clinical
1: yeah exactly i'm i'm more of a person than that
0: and uh i i didn't ask paul this because i didn't know him and i didn't know his situation but how do you feel something like a guaranteed basic income would help suckers like us
1: um, i think it would help in a lot of ways um everybody i know living with a disability is struggling to survive and that's all on different levels um but we're all struggling to make a basic living there are some that are doing slightly better than others but we're all living below the poverty level
0: yep some of us <laughs> considerably <laughs> yeah but yeah exactly. we're, we're all because is is the poverty level act, is is it higher than twenty thousand now it was twenty thousand for the longest time but
1: I don't know exactly where it is now, honestly.
0: But uh, yeah, yeah. Let's assume it's twenty thousand. I think you and I, and this. Forgive me if I'm st- mm-hmm. uh, stepping a turn here. but I think you and I are about halfway. Because remember, we found out. Uh, yeah. I think we make the same a month. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah,
1: we're well, well below. <laughs> we're about half, yeah.
0: halfway, just slightly over half, maybe for me to, to the <laughs> twenty grand a year. So, so, um, and and I, I mean, I, I believe in this kind of concept wholeheartedly and I'd even extend that to folks who aren't disabled to anybody like eat like and this is people call me a socialist but I, I just think it's basic human decency here Even you, absolutely nothing wrong uh, you know finger in your nose all day you still have the right to have your basic food shelter and clothing needs met that's my politics
1: I agree with that completely um, I do have a bit of a fear that if they make it just a disability issue and only people with dis- persons with disabilities uh, get this at this moment. I think that there'd be a lot of societal backlash. Yeah, though, we got it hard enough, man. That could make it worse for us. Yeah,
0: people could hate on for us, kill the gimps, you know.
1: <laughs> well, I think there would be a lot of hate and why are they getting something they don't deserve and so on. Um, there is still a lot of ableism in society and I yep. think that would bring all of it out if that happened. So I think it it should be more of a an equal, we're doing this for everybody so that they can meet their basic needs and not just for this group of people.
0: Yeah, that's right, folks. Give everybody so we can be kumbaya instead of kung fu grip. You know what I mean?
1: And I think there's also another issue with that that brings to mind that disability can be very, it can fall under certain labels again. For example, under community services right now, I still don't qualify as a person with a disability. So, mm,
0: And why Why is that?
1: I have not been knowledge. given a good answer for that. Yeah, they, they, don't know, they, they? they just tell me they don't have to tell me the answer oh, to that. Oh, they don't have to tell you. Basically. Uh, um, damn. So,
0: who do they think they are? Bill Clinton in front of Congress? You know, come on now.
1: But there are a lot of kind of the shiny recognized disabilities that... People like to say okay we're giving to these people uh, and that makes them feel better but there are a lot of people that are disabled because of chronic pain or um, lesser known disabilities that wouldn't qualify if certain things were given because they don't meet a certain level of disability or a certain recognition of disability
0: right and i even think with you like some some of your disability stuff is a lot less um well known than mine right you know like people know about cerebral palsy it's a real thing and and all that and now some people
1: can understand it better
0: right right and i mean some some my my most debilitating symptoms being um the insomnia and -hmm. urinary tract problems aren't the most visible parts, but just seeing somebody moving around like I do, like that's pretty clear for people and cerebral palsy is totally a recognized thing. So there's not, I, and i think like for me like i just get the the basic welfare you know so but there, but there's never been any questioning as to my like i often had to get the doctor's forms filled up that old guy retired and i think he was just you know that was part of his his learning that he you know learned in the 80s probably so wasn't a bad fella but he, he just did what he thought he had to do i guess right so um and just just because we're honest what like Guaranteed basic income. Let's say expenses are basically the same as they are now. What what, what do you think? Fifth, I I I'd be. I mean, more is great, but like fifteen hundred a month. What like does that sound like a reasonable?
1: Yeah, I think that would be fairly reasonable. Um, yeah, I think even maybe a little less, around Ooh, fourteen hundred would be okay and then i think we could reach more people and give more people that amount but i would be very happy with 15 as well and i think it would be honestly more reasonable when you look at what it actually costs in halifax to live and pay your bills
0: right and i i look at um you know 15 as just that's a nice round number like you know mm-hmm. it's halfway between you know one and two grand right and uh but yeah i mean even even still 14 is close to a 500 raise for exactly. us right? So
1: yeah
0: <laughs> it's fucking. i sad, guess when you know. you've
1: lived on so little for so long you're you're happy with anything Fuck, yeah a hundred
0: dollars more <laughs> let me go to the track no i don't do that shit I'd, uh, I'm paranoid. I don't like horses. No, I love horses. I used to do therapeutic riding, but I'm not much <laughs> of a gambler. $5 a week on Lotto Max because, hey, we all can dream. <laughs> this show is now sponsored by Lotto Max. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, what do you think is the most important thing or things, it can be more than one, to progress disability rights?
1: It's hard to choose just one, honestly. Right?
0: It could be, choose a couple or a few. If what just what come and if uh, if and sorry, I I you know I didn't prep you for any of this, right? So. No,
1: that's fine. Uh, I mean, we think about these questions all the time. It's just because we live them. It's just hard t- in the moment to think of the most important. Um, I think. There's a couple aspects. One is just continuing to have conversations in society in general about our experience so people can understand it better. Because there's so many things we face that people just don't think of or don't acknowledge and would never imagine were happening in a developed world that we still can't get basic health care that we need, and we still can't get basic transportation that we need, and we still can't feed ourselves. Um So having these conversations and making the general public aware that it's happening is very, very important so that we can all come together and say, yeah, this isn't right and we need to change it. And how are we going to do that? Um, And that's not just with disability rights. It's with everybody's rights. We just need to keep talking and have those discussions because I think it's very easy to kind of keep ourselves in these silos where You only talk to other disabled people or you only interact with other people in your social group and nobody else gets to know what's happening and going on.
0: Right. I I can be a bit insulated myself, but it's never been um, just strictly with disabled people because I've always had a kind of thing. And and this isn't and this doesn't mean that I feel that every disabled person is, is this way, but I find that a lot of times just simply being disabled can beat one down so bad that especially when you get to the middle age and the older years it's like and then I see some of these and again I'm not trying to say everybody by any means so please people don't read this into this but but just even get almost a little bit delusional or something and like and not in the way that I'm saying to talk but just like you know and the and the sunken in face and just because things are so bad so I'm I'm like very like I don't want to be that and i'm frightened that i will you know
1: there can be a lot of resentments for sure because it's it's not a easy life to live and exactly. it's a very isolated life as well so it can definitely wear on people and it does and people show that in different ways
0: right totally man and and uh yeah for for me, I think the, the the top thing it would be again going to that that base income. Give me that a baby because you know if I if I'm getting that money, right? Because you can't force people to be your friends or in relationship, right? You can't say that's part of your human rights, right? But if you've if you've got that money, you're feeling better. Like you're feeling better about yourself. Like I can. Wow, like let's let's go to a nice restaurant for our date, you know? Fuck, I'll I'll buy some flowers too. And you just and it's not even even the necessarily the material things that come from that, but the the feeling, the feeling of of control and independence. The and mental health that right. comes with that. Right? Yeah. yeah, just the the quality of life being raised. Like that, for me personally, is the yeah. number one.
1: Well, the other thing that I was going to mention is kind of along those lines is just more work opportunities in general. And that only helps for a certain portion of the disability community because a lot of us can't work. And Mm -hmm. for years, I couldn't. It was, uh, I'm trying to think now. I have to do the math quickly. Uh, It would have been 15 years that I was not able to work at all. Wow, yeah. Um, And I just got back to work this year. And what that does for your mental health is, is amazing. That just to feel that you can contribute again and can... Have a conversation with people when the first question isn't, Well, what do you do? and I would make up answers for years, yeah, right, or talk oh. about my volunteer experience, yeah, 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 and you'd still get the all-how oh, much well, money isn't do you that make good? that one, yeah, yeah. Um, so it does a lot for a person to be able to do what everybody else does, and that's one aspect of it that society still feels is very important, and even us as disabled people who have struggled through a lot of the the mental back and forth of am i good enough still struggle with that one a lot
0: yeah me too it it, it it's not always a daily struggle but sometimes and i think i'd i'd want to put my uh, just a little spin on that too like um work sure but just definitely something with your time that you feel passionate about that brings meaning to your life because like work opportunities are, are great but it's sort of you know if it's some of these disability organizations and they're paying you like less minimum wage exactly. and you're in there maybe you're washing dishes you know what I mean and not you know yeah. I know people need to do that for a living so I'm not trying but if it's if it's these fucking menial tasks that you're fucking struggling to do that you get help like I get you know Red Cross help <laughs> yeah. and well, I,
1: I don't think it should be the way it's done now right, with those right. disabilities disability organizations um i think for the most part those fail Um, oh they do and for the most part they make it worse for a person with a disability uh but i think just in general we need to show our society that and our employers that these people can do the work just like anybody else or they can find a way to do it differently but can still accomplish the work um I know my employers at first were very nervous when they found out I was in a wheelchair when they hired me for the first job and had immediately switched the role that I had to do to an easier one. Um, and it took time for me to prove to them that I could do the work just like anybody else and I could do the work better than somebody else in some cases. Oh, yeah. So. Um, just giving people a chance to see that we have just as much to offer and give us a chance.
0: Yeah. And that's, and and that's another part of it too, right? Because it's not, it's, for us, I don't think it's just bigotry. Like in that sense, because, right, like I've, I've said something like this before too, like if you are, you know, black or gay or a woman or trans or, you know, whatever, like there's nothing actually wrong with that unless the person making the judgment is a bigot, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're disabled in ways like we are, there is actually physical, like there is malfunction in the body, right? So so it is really hard to break out of um, those perceptions. So yes, like you and I are not going to be five brick layers. I guess I should speak for myself maybe you could be i but... don't
1: plan to be no
0: all right then, <laughs> I'm not in trouble there so um yeah I think I'm pretty much and I should have prepped you for this too but it's something that I've been doing with most people uh mm. what what do you think the meaning of life is if you have an answer there
1: I think the meaning of life is just to accept love and to show love and That's kind of, it goes back to my whole belief on polyamory is whether I'm talking with a friend or talking with a partner or meeting somebody totally new on the street, I just want to show them how I feel about them and how I feel about this world and show them my passion and my desire and be real.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add at all?
1: Uh, No, I think that covers it. Thanks for chatting with me.
0: Show love, be real, folks. She could have turned Charles Manson around. If only he'd listened to (laughs) April Hubbard, he wouldn't have killed all them people. So, folks, we're just going to have a final sign-off and uh, drink, uh, clink before we drink here in proper maritime fashion. April's on water, but I'm on honey liqueur whiskey. Let's clink before we drink. Cheers. Cheers to you.
1: The gimp reach.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Josh Dunn. My guest has been April Hubbard. Uh, Like I always say... Give yourselves that Ric Flair, woo, because you are the greatest of all time. I know I am. Good night, folks.